Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, we have with us a real powerhouse. Uh, Talia Mironshat is a doctor uh, in social psychology. She is an international leader at the intersection of medicine and behavioral economics. With over 20 years of experience as a researcher, consultant, and entrepreneur, she uses her uniquely broad perspective to identify psychological barriers that prevent us from making good medical decisions, both minor and crucial ones, and develops ways to overcome those barriers. This is especially important for doctors and people in the health field because, you know, we know that most people know the choices that they should make. It's just including the doctors themselves. It's just a question of do they make the right choices for lifestyle and why not? Because as, as we all know, making the proper lifestyle choices is going to cut down on various health ailment and a decrease in the need for medicine. Dr. Miron Schatz did research at Princeton University with Nobel laureate Daniel Kahneman. She taught at Wharton and published dozens of ac academic papers on how laypersons and doctors in hospitals, online, at home, and just about everywhere understand medical information and make health choices. Her clients include, now get this, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Samsung, digital health companies, and major players in the health industry in North America, Europe, and Israel. She is a senior fellow at the Center of Medicine in the Public Interest in New York, a professor at the Ono Academic College in Israel, and a visiting researcher at the Winston Center for Risk and Evidence Communication at the University of Cambridge. I must say, in addition to these very impressive accolades, I'm just exhausted just thinking about everything that she's doing. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Talia. Thank you so much, Barbara. It's really wonderful to be here with you today. Well, a social psychologist is not something that we often get to speak with. So I'm really delighted. Uh, tell me, um, what do patients say about doctors? How do you get them to be complimentary, even when originally they may not have thought about it, uh, and what matters to them. After all, um, we we both know that when everything is going fine and the patient is happy, they're probably less likely to run to a rating site than somebody who's really irate that says, boy, oh boy, I can't wait to go on this site and complain. So how do you get patients to not only like their doctor, but give them five stars and rave reviews. 
I think liking your doctor is a first step. It's a huge step. And in a way, I think it starts with feeling that your doctor likes you or at least cares about you. And that is so huge. And you know, doctors have it really, really hard. They have a very stressful jobs. They have huge responsibility. Their clients are not always happy and calm. And they are judged by their medical performance, but they're also judged by the way they treat their patients. And I think that is so pivotal and is so crucial. It's crucial in two ways. And the first way is the medical way. And that's really fascinating because when a patient feels that their doctor cares about them, they're much more likely to adhere with the treatment. That's putting aside all the relationship issues and the rating. We're, we're, we're shelving that for two minutes. We'll get back to it. But I've seen it and I've read literature about this with HIV patients, diabetes patients, with HIV women who are trying to get pregnant. But if they feel that their doctor would not approve, they're not going to tell him about that. Now, that is awful because if they share it with their doctor, the doctor can help them protect their embryo but they're not telling that. They're not telling them because they are afraid of their doctor's disapproval. This is work that I did with Dr. Deborah Weiss in Miami, Deborah Jones Weiss at the University of Miami. And it's mind blowing. It's actually mind blowing. You know, I spent a lot of time thinking about that because your doctor is just a person who's giving you service. Okay, let's be, let's be super cold and nasty about this. Why would you hurt your own health because of how your doctor treats you. And I reached the conclusion that in a way we perceive of doctors as parental figures. And when the parent rejects me, I respond in a way that makes me think maybe I'm unworthy. That's how kids think. You know, I consulted with a child psychologist because I was thinking, what is going on here? I can't figure this out. That's the best answer I came up with. And it's a, such a sad answer. So I think with that in mind, that really helps doctors understand how crucial, how pivotal they are in their patients' minds, even if they see 30 patients a day. And even if no offense, they can't remember their names. Well, that so, is so important. You know, what goes through a child's mind, I think, is, you know what, I can't be punished if my parent doesn't know, <laughs> which is in keeping with what you said. And, and unfortunately, it is true that doctors can be um, a little um, short with their patients or critical, which, you know, doesn't help, as you so point, pointed out. Yeah, it, it really doesn't help. And I'm not saying that Patients should not be responsible or held accountable for their health. Of course they should. It's their body. They're the only ones who can really treat it well. But there's a way of doing things. And that takes us back to the rating platforms. So I've, I have a senior mom and she sees doctors quite a lot. So I, I, did, I had my share of visits to doctor's offices. And a lot of times they have thank you letters like framed on the wall. Sometimes they're rhymed. There's always a very nice frame. And I, it got me curious. I was, I was reading the letters and I noticed that a lot of the time they're about, you were so kind, you were so nice, you answered our questions, you were available. What are they not saying? They're not using any medical terms at all. 
Why? Because patients are unaware of the medical terms. They don't really know them. And they also know that even the best of doctors can't always heal and cure you in the most perfect way. They accept that. They actually accept that. So I did a study. I was so intrigued that I did a study where I analyzed 100 thank you letters that patients sent to medical centers and to doctors. And they were, they were posted online. So, you know, like you said, people like to rant online and sometimes they also like to compliment online. So this was what the medical centers chose to show on their websites. And what I found was that patients were as likely to compliment doctors on the way they treated them as a person as they were on the medical care. That was fascinating. I called the study, um, uh, uh, what did I call the study? I forgot, but it was, <laughs> that's too bad. It was a while ago, but it was about um, personality and demeanor were really as important as the care. And what was fascinating, and this is really something for doctors to keep in mind, is that patients remembered even the most minute details about how they were treated as a person. They would say things like, I like Abdul. He always takes me from the waiting room and helps me. Or the technician held my hand during the ultrasound test. She didn't have to do that. They remember and they appreciate every little thing. The tiniest detail, What, where, where they don't remember detail is with medical care. There, they're much more likely to say, great care. What does that mean? That means, I don't know. I don't know if you gave me the best medicine. I don't know if you did the best titration. I don't know if my wound could have healed differently with another physician. I have no clue. I'm not an expert. Where I am an expert is where you're looking me in the eye. Did you say hello? Did you say, how are you? And those are things that doctors can do I think can make a huge difference. I want to tell you one more thing about that. Um, I did a, quite a lot of work. I did. A, I wrote quite a few studies um, on delivery. And delivery is a huge challenge. And specifically, we focused, Dr. Yasmin Kalkstein and I, she's at West Point now, uh, we focused on unplanned cesarean delivery. That's not fun. No woman would ever say, oh, I want to have an unplanned cesarean delivery. I want to go in thinking I'm going to have natural birth. Oops. Oh, ma'am, we're going to have to cut you off now. Nobody wants to hear that. So you have a medical challenge. You have a psychological challenge. The doctor is going to do their best. How do we make sure it doesn't become a trauma? And what we found is that women really appreciated the support they got. And it was bad when they didn't get support. That was even worse. To, to need support and not get it is much worse than it is good to, to receive the support you need. And when I'm talking about support, again, it's not something that would take up the whole day because we're talking about an emergency procedure. These are things like being included in the decision process. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I can imagine doctors now rolling their eyes and saying, well, does she know she's a psychologist, inclusion in the decision process, blah, blah, blah. Okay, she should do it herself. Well, what is entailed could be things like saying, listen, we have to do an emergency C-section. Is that okay with you? We know this is what you planned. What would the woman say? 
she says, yeah, because she wants to live and she wants her baby to live. Mm -hmm. But by asking her that, you've just made her a partner. You made her part of the decision-making process. That is huge. That is much better than treating her as an abdomen that you're going to cut open right now. That makes a huge difference. There was emotional support. And that could be, again, tiny, tiny. I'm going to do my best for you. Now, notice nobody's promising everything is going to be all right because nobody can promise that. I'm going to do my best for you. Wow. These are really powerful words. It, again, it creates a sense of partnership. Absolutely. And that, that is so important. I also used to have patients that would say to me, you know, you know, I feel less of a woman by not, mm. not delivering it naturally. And I used to say to them, listen, at three o'clock in the morning, when you are the one getting up to feed the baby, you know, you're the woman. <laughs> but, you know, being made a member of the medical team and, and being responsible for some of the decision is, is really key. Yes. And there's something else that's key. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Something else that's key is informational support. And that can be tiny. And I'll give you the most amazing example. We did a study where we read blogs of women where their birth veered from their birth plan. And we read the challenges that they encountered and how they resolved them. And sometimes they resolved them by saying, oh, that was great. Sometimes they just said nothing. And we decided that nothing is neutral. Say, I accept that. Does it suck? Yes, it sucks. But I'm not going to talk about it because that's, that's, you know what, that's just life. And one, one woman said um, they inserted the epidural needle twice. Now you're talking to me and I had three kids and I had them naturally because I freaked out of epidural needles. So I read about this woman, the epidural, oh my God. And she said, um, because I was shaking so bad the first time. What does that mean? That means she knew, she knew what was going on. She knew the doctor wasn't negligent. She knew the doctor wasn't a sadist. She understood what happened. Did she say it was fantastic? No, but did she say it was terrible? No, because she accepted it. And that's that's just enormous. That is just so huge. And that is something a doctor can do in the span of 10 seconds. This informational support. This, I Now I understand what is happening to me. That's much better than I'm being done things that I, are unpleasant and I don't know why. Well, let's go to uh, for a moment to the patient that is uh, unhappy with the result. She doesn't feel that she was treated on on a personal level mm -hmm. um, and she complains. Like, how do you deal with the complaint letters to uh, correct the situation? I think, as with many, many things, and you basically mentioned chronic disease and and prevention and just taking good care of yourself, the best cure is prevention. That is really always the best cure. And I think to acknowledge and be honest is the best thing you can do. Again, going back to the letters, and then I'll talk some more about complaints. Some of the letters were written by people who have not yet healed or whose partner for whom they were writing has not yet fully healed. They understood it's a process. Things happen. 
things are not perfect. They understand, but they need to feel that they're not alone. They need to feel that they are respected. And that is enormous. Now, if you look at uh, lawsuits, medical lawsuits, and that's like amping up the complaints, 80% of them have a component of nobody explained or I didn't understand, not I didn't understand because that's my fault. It's not the doctor's fault. The doctor doesn't explain. So I think explaining and re-explaining and communicating are key and they're huge. They're just so enormous. And in fact, I write about that a lot about the terms that we use. I actually gave a talk last week about multiple sclerosis. So after my talk, a physician spoke and she was the nicest person ever. And she spoke, she spoke and then she just talked about healthy lifestyle. I, I, I cut her off and I said, no, I, I didn't cut her off. But we had a panel afterwards and I said, you were speaking and only when you got to healthy lifestyle, did I understand what you were saying? You were speaking medicalese, full on. Now I'm a full professor of psychology. I've been doing medical decision making for almost 20 years, research for over 20 years. I didn't know what she was talking about. She was talking about a progressive condition. She was like, is it this, is it that? I don't know what you're talking about. And if I ask you, if I say that, I could be feeling very stupid. I could be hearing what you're saying, not fully understanding, not fully remembering. That's very sad because then I go home and I'm like, um, I don't know. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. So did the doctor explain? She explained. She's smart. She cares. She gave me the information. I couldn't understand it. That's hard. That's a tough one. There's a major, major gap between what physicians know and what patients know. And, you know, even the smartest people who are patients can be confused, can find it difficult to follow, can be in pain, can be anxious. And not everybody's smart. You don't pass a test to become a patient. But regardless of how smart you are, you deserve to understand what's happening. So I think that really is key between the communication and the respect and the honesty of just saying this may not work. It doesn't always work. You know, it works in a hundred people like you, 60 will have a really good outcome, but the other 40, we're not sure. Some will not have it that great. And here is how, and now you need to decide. Now, when someone explains it to you like that, you understand you feel like you're a partner and you don't feel like someone is letting you on. And it's, it's actually really funny because your podcast is called Marketing Tips for Doctors. And sometimes, I'm sure not the doctors who listen to your podcast, other doctors and other medical centers, um, they sell, they sell like used car salesmen. They will say things and, and, you know, there's works about that. It's not my opinion. There's research about that, about cancer centers that say, oh, we, we give hope. Now, hope is great. Everybody wants hope. But what does that mean? Again, going back to the of 100 people like you who are treated like that, how many will this really help? Three? Because that is sometimes the case. So is this hope or is this false hope? I don't know. So if I am promised hope, where in fact my physician knew that it would only help three women out of a hundred in my condition, 
then they weren't fully honest with me. And I wasn't really making a good decision. And then I'm much more likely to complain than had my doctor said, you know, 60, 40. And I ended up being in 40, but I knew that there was a there was a 40% chance of that happening. Well, they do say better to live in hope than die in despair. <laughs> uh, hope can, you know, do a lot. You know, sometimes a person's own body will heal itself with the with the um, positive attitude and the hope behind it. So, you know, it's it's important. It's important, but it has to be also realistic. That's what I think. I mean, I'm a very positive person. Some people blame me of being a Pollyanna, which is kind of funny, but okay. Um, but still, I, I want to know what I'm facing. I want to know. And if, if I know that, I'm like, I can handle it. It's fine. I'll deal with it. It's not the end of the world, but I need to know. Especially if someone, if I'm discussing with someone, if I'm being promised something. And as we know, as you know, much better than me, medical treatments can be painful, can have unpleasant outcomes. If you choose to have, for example, chemotherapy, if you choose to have surgery, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. And, and you should know about this in advance. Well, as you, you know, as you pointed out, the reason why it's important for a patient to know how realistic the treatment is in the prognosis and outcome is because if you make light of the situation and you give them false hope, then when they don't heal in the way that you have implied, mm -hmm. that, that's when you're going to see the lawsuits and the complaints come out. But if a patient feels that uh, you're taking on a case that may be like nearly hopeless and, and you've helped her, then, you know, you're the hero and the miracle worker. And regardless of the outcome, she'll be forever grateful. So, you know, it's important that they do know exactly what they're facing. Yeah, I, I agree. So I wrote a book. It's called Your Life Depends on It, What You Can Do to Make Better Choices About Your Health. I intended for it to be for patients. Then I realized it's also for physicians. It's crucial for physicians because you guys have to understand the patient's mindset when they are in your office and when they are at home. That is imminent. So how can, people, how can people get uh, in, in a copy of that book for themselves? It is on Amazon and everywhere, wherever books are sold, your life depends on it, what you can do to make better choices about your health. So I ended up writing I, I knew I would write takeaways for patients. Then I realized I had to write takeaways for physicians. And then the third take, set of takeaways is for healthcare systems. Because as I said, doctors are overworked, and they're stressed and they have huge responsibility and they work within systems for the most part, they do. And a lot of the things around establishing care and trust and also about creating good communications they have to come from above. It's really hard for a physician to do that. It's incredibly hard. We can't ask you guys to see patients, to be nice to patients, to fill the EHRs, to fill all the forms, to do good medical exams, and then to create medical communications. That is just too much and that's unrealistic. So I ended up creating a set of takeaways for healthcare systems to really support 
and help physicians in their tasks. And, you know, one of the reasons why I'm I'm pushing the book as hard as I can, because I think it can really make a difference for patients and for physicians. It can help patients have these realistic conversations with physicians, and that will make physicians' lives easier. Because well, I think that this this is certainly something that should not only be on everybody's shelf, but they should actually read it as well. <laughs> so, uh, Talia, uh, tell me how people who would like to hear more from you can reach you. Fantastic. So I have a website, taliamiranchats.com. I'll explain how it's written because it's not obvious. It's Talia with a Y. M-I-R-O-N, Schatz, S-H-A-T-Z, taliamiranschatz.com. There's a lot of information about me there. There's a lot of information about the book there, and there's a way to contact me. And I would be beyond happy to hear from people, especially from physicians, if they read the book, if they have questions, if they have comments, that would really be fantastic because I spent so much time thinking, researching, writing, hoping to reach out. And as you said, if people buy the book and read it, which is an important next step, you guys, uh, you can even lend it to a friend. That's fine. I, I waive the royalties here. I really want people to, to read and to understand the messaging. And if, if, you got, if you roll it back to me, that would make me very happy. That would educate me. And then if I revise the book, I'll be able to say, Dr. Jones from wherever gave a really good point here, made a really good point here. And I want to relate to that. So that would be fantastic. Well, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. And I'm sure our listeners got a lot of benefit out of it, too. This has been another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.